0: You're listening to 3 and 30 Takeaways for Moms, Episode 174, Why to Try a Creative Hobby Even if You Think You'll Stink at It. Welcome to 3 and 30, a podcast for moms who want to create more meaning in motherhood. Each 30-minute episode will feature three doable takeaways for you to try at home with your family this week. I'm your host, Rachel Nielsen. Thank you so much for being here. I don't consider myself to be an artistic person, but the truth is, I never even tried to do art, so how would I really know? I think I was excited to try art and creative expression as a child, but during my preteen years, I realized that some activities come more naturally and easily to me, meaning I didn't have to work that hard to be good at them, and others take more effort. So I decided I wasn't good at those activities, and it wasn't, quote, worth my time to even dabble in them. Does this sound familiar to any of you? We live in a society that is obsessed with productivity and excellence, so we often don't give ourselves permission to try new hobbies just because we want to, or because they feel relaxing or fun to us. We want to know the outcome will be worth it. We want a finished product. We want a justification for the time and money we invest. Well, today's guest believes that the benefits of having a creative hobby go far beyond a beautiful finished product. Lisa Funk is the founder of Handlettered Design, the company that has sponsored 3 and 30 this month. Through their workbooks, online workshops, and materials, Handlettered Design helps you learn the fulfilling hobby of hand lettering while also creating a meaningful mindset. Lisa is a dear friend of mine who I admire immensely. She's a mother of four who struggled for years with depression before discovering a variety of tools that have helped her reclaim her happiness and her mental health. One of the biggest tools that has helped her might surprise you. It's creativity, specifically hand lettering. I can't wait for you to hear from Lisa as she teaches us why it's valuable to have a creative hobby, even if we think we aren't naturally creative or artistic, and how to go about turning your creativity into a mindfulness practice that will benefit your mental health. Don't forget that as part of my partnership with Lisa and Handlettered Design, you get 10% off any of the educational products in their shop using the code 3in30. This includes their step-by-step workbooks to learn or improve your hand lettering, specialty materials including brush pens and lettering paper, and online courses and video tutorials. Lisa will tell you more about all of her beautiful products within the interview, and I'm so excited for you to hear from the woman who is at the heart and soul of this company that I love. I also want to remind you of our other sponsor from this month, BetterHelp Online Counseling. It's no secret that I am a huge fan of therapy. If you've been listening to the podcast for very long, you've heard me talk often about how therapy has completely changed my life. And I love that with BetterHelp, you can get mental health support on your own time, at your own pace, right from the comfort of your home. You can do it from your bed if you want to. (laughs) There are options to send your counselor texts or chat message anytime, plus you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions. BetterHelp matches you with a professional therapist who specializes in whatever it is you're going through right now. Stress, depression, anxiety, sleep issues, self-esteem issues, anger, struggles in your relationships, grief, trauma... LGBT issues, and more. Join over one million people who are taking charge of their mental health by giving BetterHelp a try. Go to betterhelpcom 30 to get started today, and as a listener, you'll also get 10% off your first month. So again, that's BetterHelp, H E L P, dot 330. And now onto the show. This is why and how to try a creative hobby, even if you think you'll stink at it. Here we go. Hi, Lisa. Hi, Rachel. It's so good to have you here. You've been a longtime 3 and 30 listener,
1: a longtime
0: friend of mine, and now here we are. So I'm thrilled to have you. I am so happy to be here. Well, I wanted to start off by having you tell us a little bit about how you used creativity to kind of reclaim your mental health, and then we'll lead that into takeaways about how a creative hobby can help all of us to be more mentally
1: healthy. Yeah. So I've struggled with my mental health ever since high school. So over 20 years, I have mostly struggled with depression, but plenty of anxiety too. And I have tried not every single thing that you can try, but a lot of them.
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Lots
1: of years of therapy and medication and natural supplements and all kinds of different doctors. And so many of those things have been helpful. Some of them have helped long term, some of them worked short term sometimes things change depending on the different circumstances in my life, different hard things that happened, losing my brother, things like this that really took a toll on my mental health. Mm -hmm. And when I found creativity, kind of refound it. I mean, I've always loved creativity. I've always been drawn to it. I haven't necessarily always felt quote-unquote good at it, Mm. but I've always kind of been drawn to it. So when I felt like I kind of rediscovered creativity in this new way, I was really able to enjoy it and allow myself to be bad at it and Mm -hmm. really begin to see that wait a minute, why am I feeling so much better since I've started lettering? And I knew that it was because of many reasons. One was that I was actually taking some time for myself, Mm -hmm. which as a busy mom was not always something that I did. I thought that the right thing to do was to pour into everyone else all day long and that maybe I would be a little bit selfish if I took time to do something just for me. Mm -hmm. And so part of it was that I finally... Not just took the time to do it every day, but also decided that I was worth taking the time to yeah. do something like that. So that was a mental shift in like seeing myself as a human that had desires and needs and that I that it that I was worth it, <laughs> that I yeah. deserved it, you know. I know it sounds kind of cheesy, but so that was part of the transformation. And then the specific activity of lettering for me, I realized I was always looking for words that were going to inspire and encourage me, myself. Mm-hmm. So I would be going through a hard thing. Maybe I was comparing myself to someone else. Maybe I was feeling down. And so I was always looking for words that were going to help me feel better. And those were the words that I was lettering. So I was mm-hmm. writing them and rewriting them.
0: Like affirmations and inspirational quotes. And yeah. Things like that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I would grab like lyrics from a song or words from a scripture or Mm -hmm. something that I would hear in a movie, like a quote or a little something that a friend would mention to me. I was just starting to really hold on to these precious words that I was hearing in all kinds of different places. And I would letter them. And as I lettered them, they really became a part of my mindset and Mm. my heart set. You know, I really just felt like it was changing how I was viewing the world. And it's not like I've never struggled again with my mental health. You know, Mm -hmm. it's an ongoing process. But I will say one cool thing about lettering or creativity in general for me is that it's something that I can really enjoy and hold on to whether I'm doing really well with my mental health or whether I'm really struggling. So Mm. when I've had really dark times, lettering has been something that I've just held on to. It's been a creative lifeline for me. And then when I'm feeling great, it's also something that just enhances how I'm doing and helps me to maintain a mindset that I want to have. And it's also just something that's fun and kind of lets me take a little breather from stressing out about rest of the things in life, you know? So it's been a really multifaceted experience for me to embrace a creative hobby ongoing.
0: Yeah. I feel like what sets your work apart from other hand letters is the incorporation of the mindfulness aspect that what you're lettering, you're not just practicing the letters themselves. You're writing words over and over that are uplifting because all of your books have their guided, you know, step by step where women are lettering over and over quotes about gratitude or how they're worth it or different things. And it is like writing it onto your heart almost just mm-hmm. over and over these beautiful words and phrases. For sure. And I think also the power of slowing down your life long enough to just sit and practice your handwriting. Yes. It's totally counter to anything else that I do in my life. Like I'm a doer, I'm a goer. Like I said, I don't consider myself artistic. And so, you know, you've been my friend for a long time. And I've always thought that's so cool that she does that. And I admire her beautiful handwriting, but that's not for me. Mm
1: -hmm. And then
0: just in preparing this interview, I'm like, I'm going to try lettering. I'm going to get Better. out I'm getting out your book. you sent me a book. I'm going to get it out and I'm going to try okay. it. And I'm going to post it on Instagram and show everybody because it's not about it being perfect and beautiful. It's about everything else that it does for you as you letter. Exactly. And I think that leads really well right into our first takeaway. Yes, it does. Perfect segue. And whether or not it's lettering, these takeaways can work for any creative hobby that somebody wants to give a try. And so what is your first takeaway?
1: So my first takeaway is to create for the process, not because you're good at it. So I think that there is a stigma with creative hobbies that we should only do them if we are immediately good at them or if we are committed to working our butts off to be good at them. Like It has to be with the goal of I'm going to be really good at this or I'm going to try it and see if I'm really good at it. Mm. But what if we just decided that we could choose things that we enjoy doing even if we aren't the experts right away, or ever. So the example that I like to use here is that I love to have dance parties with my kids or by myself or with my friends. If you come over to my house, we can have a dance party. (laughs) And let's just be very clear. I am not a good dancer. Like by any stretch of the imagination, no one has ever told me that I'm a good dancer because I'm not. (laughs) And I don't plan on improving my dancing. I don't plan on ever. I mean, I'm not saying I couldn't ever take a class. Sure, I could if I thought it was going to be fun. But I don't do this because I plan on being on stage or having a career or showing off my dancing to anybody else. But I do it because it's fun. I love dancing for the experience of dancing. And it's super fun for me to do it even though I'm not quote unquote good at it. So I just use that example because how many of us do like to just dance Or maybe I like going for walks. Am I like really good at walking? I don't know. Who cares? (laughs) I love the experience. And so I keep doing it because it's fun and I'm not doing it for the end result. And so I think that's something we can relate to a creative hobby. I think it's a totally different way to approach creative hobbies is, is this something that I can enjoy doing? and not only do it if I'm naturally good at it. And sometimes it takes a little bit of mindset shift and some thought work to be able to enjoy something because we've been so conditioned that we should only do hobbies if we're good at them.
0: Yes, for sure. And I think that you know, with our children, it drives me crazy when my kids won't try something new because they're not immediately good at it or they try it and then they just give up right away because they're not immediately good at it. And I'm like, come on, that's not how life works. Just keep trying. Just enjoy it. And yet I do the same thing. And it's almost like I've given myself permission. Like I'm an adult now. Therefore, I only have to do things that I'm immediately good at, which isn't true. Just the benefit. That comes to our kids from trying new things, it's the same as the benefit that comes to us. And I also think that really goes back to we are willing as moms to invest in our kids having new experiences. Oh my gosh, 100%. And gaining new hobbies and trying things and we don't say to them, "Well, are you going to be a concert pianist? If not, I'm not paying right. for these piano lessons." You right. know, and yet for ourselves, we're like, "I can't invest in that class or those materials for this hobby because I'm not going to use it for a job. I'm not going to sell it somehow." Or when really we should be giving ourselves the same permission we give our children to explore and learn and grow and just enjoy something meaningful and fun.
1: Yeah. And think about like when your kids are creative and your kids are super creative. I love seeing all the things that you share. When my kids do creative things, it just fills me up. I just love it. And Mm -hmm. how many of us are like, I love it when they're off their screens and they're using their creativity, they're creating things. But can we say that for ourselves? (laughs) Like, I'm as guilty as anyone of being on screens too much. I just need a parent. I need someone to be like, oh, my gosh, I'm so proud of you for getting off of your screen and being creative. But I have to do that for myself. I do. I kind of have to nurture myself in that way and say, your creativity matters, too. Mm -hmm. You doing something new and interesting and fun and out of the box and allowing yourself that freedom to just be creative is so important because I really do believe that we are born creators, that we were created to create. It's part of who we inherently are and that when we do create, it just helps us to come back to ourselves and connect with ourselves, especially when we can embrace doing it for the process. And I love looking at like my little two year old, he will just grab a marker and a big old piece of paper. And he's just making these beautiful scribbles. And he is not looking at me saying like, does this look good? you know, Mm -hmm. are we going to send this into the Smithsonian? You know, (laughs) he's just doing it for the process because it's enjoyable. And I think if we could all embrace the idea that we can do things, even if we don't think that we're good at them, we can find a lot of enjoyment from it. Yes, absolutely. And what's your second takeaway? So my second takeaway is to use your five senses to be present in the creation process. So mindfulness and meditation are very powerful tools. We've all heard about them unless we've been living under a major rock. But it can be tricky to actually sit down and find that quiet time when no one's bothering us to do a real meditation. And there's not anything wrong with doing that. That's amazing. But I think that it can be a little bit easier for us to incorporate mindfulness into our lives when we combine it with an activity like creativity. Because our minds are always thinking, they're spinning, overthinking, if you're anything like me. And so to allow our brains to have a break while we connect with our bodies and our five senses in a hands-on creative way really allows us to release stress and anxiety and to connect to who we are as creators. So I do this often when I'm lettering. I can pay attention to The way that the pen feels in my hand and paying attention to the strokes and how I'm using my arm and my shoulder to support my movements. I take time to breathe more deeply as I'm slowing down to make the strokes. I use my eyes to watch the lines and the shapes that are being made by the pen. I just take that time to really focus on how I'm using my body and my hands to create and it allows my brain to sort of take a little bit of a break and I'm in the present moment and I'm being really mindful and it's a way to practice mindfulness without necessarily sitting on a meditation pillow and taking the time to do that which again is amazing but a lot of us are able to incorporate Mindfulness in a way with creativity a little bit easier.
0: Yeah. You can sometimes quiet your mind more easily when your hands are occupied or your body is occupied. 100%. I learned this as a school teacher that sometimes kids, the most hyperactive kids, they needed to be doodling or playing with putty or something in order to listen to me. Their hands Mm -hmm. and their body had to be occupied. And I would think they're not paying attention. Like I need pencils down, eyes on me. But actually, they could pay way better attention when their hands were occupied. And so I I think it's so unique to think of a meditative practice being like getting out your lettering workbook each night and lettering or doing an adult coloring book or something like that is a meditation process where you are focusing in on the process of creating the art and you're allowing your mind to kind of rest or to be thinking about things that are important to you while
1: your hands are occupied. Totally. Yeah. And if you think about a lot of people who are creative or who practice creativity, I don't want to say who are creative, because a lot of people listening are like, well, I'm actually not creative. They've labeled themselves already. Mm -hmm. And you can engage in creativity, no matter how you label yourself. So a lot of people who engage with creativity will tell you that it is their therapy. Mm -hmm. so if they do gardening, they'll talk about getting their hands in the dirt and planting the seeds, and it's really engaging with their five senses, and Mm. it's being outside, and the practice of doing that. Painters will say similar things. There's a lot of people who engage with creativity that will tell you that it really is like therapy for them because of the reasons that you just said, Mm -hmm. and the cool thing about that is that none of them are saying It's because I'm so dang good at it. (laughs) You know, it's no, it's because of the process of doing it. So for someone who enjoys watercolor, you don't even have to be good at watercolor. You don't have to ever paint a landscape. You can just dip your paintbrush in the water and the paint and you can make swirls, you can do lines, you can do circles. It's really a way to practice meditation to just allow yourself to be present in the moment. And a lot of times that can be with repetitive actions, like maybe doing some circles or lines, like with lettering, there's strokes that you do repetitively that can be really meditative. But -hmm. it's just a way to engage with your five senses in the present moment instead of spinning in your mind.
0: Yes. You know, when I thought about the whole premise of your work of being that it's about the process, not the product, I thought about how some Buddhist monks came to our town a few summers ago, and I read about it in the newspaper about what they were planning to do while they were here. And I was so fascinated. They were going to create, I'm probably not pronouncing this correctly, but a mandala, a mandala. Um, Which is a mandala, which is like an intricate sand art piece of artwork. They were going to spend four days with colored sand in little funnels, creating this beautiful, intricate design that represents all of these different things. And the community was going to be able to come and watch them doing this artwork. And then at the end, after four days, they would have a ceremony where they would present it. And then they would take it down to the river and dump all the sand into the river and return it to nature. And I was like, what on earth? It just like blew my mind to think that they would spend four days creating this incredibly intricate, delicate piece of art. And then they would just Release it back into nature. But then I read a little bit more about it that it's about the process for them. It's not about the product and they don't need to keep it and hang it on their wall. It's what they learned about themselves while doing that sort of meditative art process. So yeah, I thought I that was that. super fascinating. And to think about for somebody that is so focused on productivity, products, yes. you know, like finished what's product, product? what's the point? And to channel a little bit more of my inner monk, you know. Yes, Rachel. Channel that inner
1: monk. I (laughs) I don't know if I
0: have one. And Sally has a little thing she got from the toy store that's called a Buddha board. Have you heard of those? No. It's something that you paint on with water. Okay. It's like a brush pen and you use water on this board and then it dries and whatever you painted goes away. And so I was thinking about why is that called a Buddha board? And I remembered this article from the newspaper and I connected them that this is a practice where it's not about keeping the finished product of what you painted. It's about creating something for creating it and then letting it fade back away, back into the board and
1: starting new. Yeah. It's like when toddlers, when you take paintbrushes and water outside on the pavement, that's like a great toddler activity, right? They just love taking the water and painting the ground, but paint it with them, you know? And it's, again, it's not for something that you're going to show off and impress everybody. It's for, it's for the process and, I feel that way with lettering or painting or any other hobby that you might try. I'm not going to sit there and tell you like you need to work hard until you have a sign that you are going to sell, you know, or until you can letter someone's wedding announcements. That's not the goal for me. Like if you want to learn how to letter really well, I will teach you. Like I have taught thousands of people how to letter. But if someone messages me, which they have and say, you know, I don't know if I'm doing this right. And I say, well, are you enjoying yourself? (laughs) Because to me, that is, that is doing it right. So I don't think that we have to be good at something to get enjoyment out of it and to reap the benefits of a mindfulness practice.
0: Yeah. And imagine how powerful it would be if that was the question that we asked ourselves, instead of asking, am I doing this right? If we just said, well, am I enjoying it? Am I learning something about myself? Then I'm doing it right. Yeah for so many different things in life. And I think that leads really well into your final takeaway as well.
1: Yeah, so my third takeaway is don't judge the creation or worry about what other people think. You will be amazed at all of the things that we do not do in life because we're worried about what other people think. We place so much value on what the end product is going to be that we don't allow ourselves to even enjoy the process. So there might be some people that actually, in the end, come out with an amazing painting of something, but they hated the whole process. They were hard Mm -hmm. on themselves the whole time. They've worried about it being perfect. They weren't necessarily mindful. And so it didn't have the same effect. There is, in my mind, a mindful way to do creativity and a very painful way to do creativity. Mm. When you're judging yourself the whole time, when you're telling yourself that you stink at it, when you're comparing yourself to how other people are doing it, it loses all of the joy. So I'm not going to say, oh, lettering's amazing no matter what, or doodling or illustrating or doing sculpture, any of these creative outlets. Oh, they're all just amazing no matter what, because you can do them in a way where you're such a perfectionist about it that you feel terrible and you're Mm. mean to yourself. And it ends up where in the end you feel way worse than you did before. That is definitely one of the ways that you can do it, which I highly don't recommend. So <laughs> <Yeah>. now... <laughs> So now the key is, how do I approach creativity in a way where I don't judge myself? I don't judge the creation. I allow myself to enjoy the process and I don't focus so much on what other people are going to think. What if someone finds out that I'm trying this new thing and they say, why is she doing that? She's not even good at it. or, And that's a whole, could be 10 episodes, right? How to let go of what other people think of you. But yeah. it's really liberating to decide that you're going to have just one thing in your life that you're going to just do for fun. And you're not going to do it because you need to be good at it or you need to have some end product that's super impressive to everybody else. But you're going to allow yourself to enjoy it and have that mindful practice. And sometimes it's a matter of realizing things that you're already doing that are creative, that you can just be more intentional as you're doing them. So for one example is when I'm cooking or baking, it can be a really mindful or meditative practice when you let your mind take a break So instead of worrying about all the other things you need to do later that day or the next day or rehashing something that happened earlier, you really take that time to focus on your five senses, how the knife feels in your hand as you're cutting the potatoes and how the aroma smells as you're adding the spices and really allowing yourself to enjoy the process and not thinking about how much you can't stand this and how long this is taking. If we can just be present in that moment, we can find that it really can be relaxing. And so it's not always a matter of adding on another activity, but starting to notice when am I already creating throughout my day? When am I using my hands to do things? And can I be more mindful and present and enjoy that more and find more joy in that?
0: Yeah. And I'm so glad that you mentioned perfectionism because I think that is a huge barrier to the joyful piece of creativity that, I mean, it really struck me when you said mindful creativity versus painful creativity, because I have done both. And I'm assuming you've maybe done it both ways too, where doing something I love did not fill my soul because of what a perfectionist I was being about it. And it literally felt painful. It felt like I was dragging it out of me. I have produced this podcast doing both of those ways. For sure. Sometimes when I'm creating an episode, I'm doing it in a very mindful, I'm enjoying myself. And other times I am beating myself up the whole time. It's not good enough, blah, blah, blah. I don't know, you know, and it feels painful. And so to be able to release that and just say, and also I think to recognize that a creative practice can be an opportunity for you to work on your perfectionism.
1: Exactly. Oh my gosh. I was going to say that exact thing that for me, it really does translate when we learn to allow imperfection in our creativity we learn to allow imperfection in ourselves and in our lives. And it's so liberating. It's just like this microcosm, this little world where we can learn how to embrace the imperfections and allow ourselves to be bad at things and not judge ourselves. And that really does start to translate to other parts of your life. And it's so powerful.
0: For sure. And it gives you an opportunity to really confront your perfectionism, which in day to day life, you may not notice that much. But when you're doing something creative, and you feel that pain, and you're like, why? It's almost like you can be a third party observer and be like, oh, I'm being a really big perfectionist on this, and that's okay. But now I'm aware that I'm doing that and I can release it. Maybe that means I step away for today and I come back to it tomorrow when I'm fresh. But it's giving you the opportunity to see your perfectionism, to confront it, to choose if you want to keep it or let it go.
1: Let it go. I'm going to say, <laughs> let it go. <laughs> yeah. It's not serving you. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you might not be ready. You might not be ready, but.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, and without the creative hobby, like I said, you may not ever even really recognize. For that sure. It's, and you start to apply it in so many other areas of your life once you can recognize it. So I using agree. it as a way to confront your own perfectionism, I
1: think can be really powerful. Yeah. And to overcome it. Yes. Lisa, this
0: has been so inspiring. I know everybody listening is going to want to just turn this off right now and go do some painting or something.
1: I hope so. (laughs) Before we finish, I just wanted to list a few different ways that I know I mentioned like painting and lettering and stuff. So I don't have an exhaustive list here, but I just wanted to kind of bring up some ideas of different creative hobbies that people might be interested in doing because, It might be different for everyone. And these are all things that are possible to enjoy, even if you're not good at them. Okay. So Mm -hmm. it might be writing poetry or personal essays or a novel. And it might be writing that no one ever reads. It might be just for you. You enjoy that process. It could be painting with watercolors or acrylics or oil paints, hand lettering, of course, doodling or illustration, gardening, sculpture, clay, ceramics, embroidery, cross stitch, sewing, macrame, string art. Cooking, baking, you know, it could just be rearranging a shelf in your house with the decor that you already have. It could be painting your nails. It could be doing your makeup, making jewelry, playing a musical instrument. I could go on and on, but I just wanted before we finish to just kind of share that little list of ideas because there are so many ways that we can be creative. And even if it's not a superficial thing where you order all these supplies and take a course. It can be just grabbing a crayon and a piece of paper while your child is drawing and just scribbling and doodling right along with them. Or grabbing, you know, a pencil in the back of an envelope while you're chatting with someone and just allowing yourself to doodle or scribble or whatever it is. It doesn't have to be something super official. It can just be really allowing yourself to find pockets of creativity every day.
0: I'm so glad you brought up stepping in and doing it with our children because it surprised me how much I actually do enjoy like building Legos. Totally. You know, when I actually allow myself to get in there, to get creative, create something with my hands, sit with Noah, I like it. And I normally would never allow, allow, quote myself, to sit down and just do something like that for fun.
1: Yeah. And a lot of us tell ourselves that we don't have time to have a creative hobby and that we don't have a babysitter or maybe our partner, if we have a partner, maybe they aren't supportive But the truth is that we can find ways to make it work and to do it alongside our children or with them or whatever. There's so many ways to make it work. And I think there are lots of fun things we can do together with them too. Yes, absolutely.
0: Well, Lisa, thank you so, so much for coming on and thank you for supporting 3 and 30 And remember everybody, if you wanna check out Lisa's product, she has a wide range starting from very, very beginning. If you've never lettered in your life, to products for those of you who are ready to really take your lettering to the next level, you know, flourishing. And I don't even know what that means, but I yeah. know that you have a workbook on that. <laughs> <It's> embellishing, yes. <laughs> so, um, and it's all on handletterdesign.com. And you can use the code three and thirty for ten percent off. So thank you so much, Lisa, for coming on. And is there anything else you wanted to add before we say goodbye?
1: That's it. I just want everybody to embrace their creativity. Don't be afraid. Okay. We'll do it. Talk to you soon. Bye.
0: Many thanks to my friend Lisa for sharing this conversation with me today about why we should try creative hobbies, even if we aren't good at them. I feel inspired to incorporate more creative self care into my daily routines, and I'm going to start with Lisa's creative lettering journal bundle for beginners. And I'd love for you to join me if this sparks your interest. I will link that in the show notes so you know where to get started. Whatever you decide to do for your creative hobby, please remember the following three takeaways. First, create for the process, not because you're good at it. It's okay to love an activity just because it's fun. You don't have to be good at it now or ever. Remember the Buddhist monks who spent days creating the sand art because of what the process taught them and those who observed them, and then released the final product into nature. Really, creativity can be a reminder that life is about becoming, not producing. Second. Use your five senses to be present while you create. Creative exercises that occupy your body, whether that's hand lettering, painting, sculpting, cooking, or gardening, can often allow your mind to settle down and focus. In this way, creative hobbies can become like meditations. Next time you're creating something, try to be really present with the physical sensations you are experiencing and give yourself credit for meditating that day. And third and finally, don't judge the creation or worry about what other people think. Be aware of your thoughts as you go through the creative process and notice if perfectionism sneaks in. Don't judge that. Just take note and remind yourself, this is good practice for me to overcome perfectionism a little each day. I love that Lisa pointed out that there's a mindful way to do creativity and a painful way to do creativity. Let's choose to make our creativity mindful and restorative by leaning into the process instead of fixating on the product. I'm grateful for each and every one of you who's listening. I'd love to hear from you how you're going to incorporate more mindful creativity into your lives after listening to this episode. You can always find me at 3 30 podcast on Instagram, where I love to post further insights into each week's episode and interact with our amazing community of moms there. I'm sending you all my love, and I hope you have a restorative week with your family.